When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to On the Preds with me, your host, Alex Darty of A to Z Sports and Sean Smith of On the Forecheck. Welcome in another week of Preds recap and coverage and talk and analysis and all of that. Uh, Sean, how's it going? We had a two-game week this week. How, how, how was your week? It was great. I had an awesome week. Um, you know, really enjoyed watching hockey for a couple of nights, but it, it also gave me some... Uh, some good time off with some yeah. nights with my family, so that was nice. Yes, um, we had we had quite the week last week. I know I had a crazy week. Yeah, and it, was it was nice to have a little, a few days off in between there. Big time. Um, yeah, and I think that's like I never, I never want to say anything negative about about covering a team because it's it's incredible. Um, I really never want to lose sight of of the uh, opportunities that I've had. Um, but you know, when you kind of get into that full season grind and you've got a big like you said last week was a very big week um thursday through sunday pretty much all hockey every day all day (laughs) um you know you you just get tired not tired of it but you get you get worn down no it it absolutely is a grind people don't realize that but i mean we've been covering this season since october and this that's five months in uh by the time if this was a football season it would be over already and uh yeah if it was a baseball season, it would just be getting going. So, yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> oh man. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a long season, but this week was uh, was an interesting one, and it sets up a huge week next week, which we'll talk about at the end. We have several yeah. things to cover today. This week of extremes, the Predators had one of their worst losses on Wednesday, followed by one of their best wins. Very strange. Uh, week for them in terms of extremes, some extremes for the Preds. And then we have yeah. this potential new line emerging, new forward line emerging. We'll talk about that. And then we will talk about something that Hine, John Hines said about Ryan Johansson that I thought was interesting. We might talk about Roman Yossi. And then again, we'll talk about the huge week coming up next week, which absolutely could determine the fate of Philip Forsberg. The, the, the hometown of Philip Forsberg for the next seven to eight to 10 years yeah. could be determined in the next week. That's how big it is. So we'll talk it's about great. all that. Before we do that though, I want to talk about relax the back again. Um, so I don't know how your back is feeling, Sean. My back actually is a little bit sore this morning. Um, I've had some weird like muscle pulls and um, playing, playing some hockey and, and uh, a lot of like, you know, traveling and stuff. I think my back is, is a little bit hurting. So I really do need to go down to relax the back. If you want to work better, live better, and feel better every day, you've got to check out Relax the Back. Uh, if you sleep well, as we all know, you live well. There's a lot of options there for customized comfort for when you sleep, work, or just relax at home. They have this thing called the perfect chair we've talked about, zero gravity position. That's awesome. The Chi XE massage chair. By the way, that's not the only massage chair we've had. We've talked about that one. They've, they have a ton of stuff. They have a lot of like kind of maybe uh, less high-tech ones, and then they have some really crazy ones. They've got the Techno Gel mattress, which is just so much better than memory foam. I thought when I laid down on it, I could tell the difference. But you just got to go check it out. Um, they have a sleep agent on hand every day to help figure out how you can sleep better, resolve any pain issues. You've got to go to uh, 2020 Glen Echo Road in Green Hills. And actually, when you're there, talk to Glenn himself. Glenn is the owner. He's a, a great guy. He knows everything about all this stuff. He, he can talk all all day about all the different options that are there. And he will definitely talk to you about the four pillars of wellness, healthy sleep, healthy work, healthy body, and healthy mind. So go check out Relax the Back for all of that and more. Um, So let's jump into the first game of the week for the Predators because Mm. this was weird (laughs) because 
to be honest, I feel like the Predators have played the Seattle Kraken like 18 times already. Like, I don't know what is it, what it is, but like, the, I think they only, I think this is their third game with them. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. And I think that means they're probably, three. I think they're probably done playing them at this point. It just feels like they've played Seattle a lot. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the game started out the way you'd want. Philip Tomasino gets a nice dirty goal in front. Uh, and uh, then Matthew Shane scores on the power play. Matthew Shane has a, um, a tendency to score very unpower play like goals. I think this one was like kind of on a half breakaway. He just does that. Yeah. Try to break through that pressure, um, which is interesting. You don't see a lot of power plays do that. So it was two nothing. The Seattle Kraken are at the bottom of the Pacific Division, and it just was like, okay, this is they're 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 rolling right along. They're bouncing back from the Stadium Series loss. Everything looks good. But then Seattle just completely flips the game on its head. They score three goals in three minutes. Uh, really a result of some very poor play by the Predators. The tra- turnovers, transition play was bad. Couldn't get anything going. And one of the goals scored by former Preds forward, Callie Arncroke, who got selected in the expansion draft. And Climate Pledge Arena was cooking. Just like the climate is cooking. Whoa. Uh, Whoa. After that, the Preds really just hang on to anything. They had sloppy passes, poor shot quality, just everything was bad. They only had three shots on goal in the third period. When the number of shots and the number of the period are the same, it's a bad period. And in a game that they were trailing, that's just really, really bad. So they only had three shots in the third period, couldn't get it going. Arguably the worst loss of the year for Nashville. There was a loss to Buffalo or Adam, uh, and then there was this the first game of the year they lost Seattle that was pro- looking back on it pretty bad. Seattle's not a good team. They've now they're now one and two against them. Um, so yeah, four three lose. So um, you know, I, go ahead. Oh, I'll say this: just in any game, and and you can if you if you pay attention to this stuff, it'll it'll all pop up on Twitter. Um, you know, if you get in a game, especially after a loss, if you get Roman Yossi in the availability, followed by John Hines, uh, you know that it's uh, <laughs> it's not a good time. And I, I don't mean like I'm not Minimum implying. Yeah, I'm I'm not implying that it's like there's some kind of you know shouting happening in the locker room because that that really doesn't happen. Um, but when Yossi comes out. Um, it usually means Yossi's taking accountability for the loss, followed by John Hines, who's and again Hines isn't uh, he he doesn't get you know mad in these in these media availabilities, but people don't ask a lot of questions. He doesn't give very extended answers, and if if you hear him come in and break down very quickly exactly what went wrong, you know that they know yeah. it was a bad loss. And I I I, I remember posting one of the Yossi quotes on Twitter and a lot of fans got really mad. They're like, Yeah, what are you gonna do about it? We're angry, you know. Like, yeah. Did you know did they John, know did John Hines did, did Hines come out with a little note card with like we had four penalties in the second period? We had only two shots. Like, did he do that? Did he have the little note card? Sometimes he does. Uh, that. he he didn't he didn't have the note card, but he broke down that three goal sequence really quickly and just said, oh, you know, did that he? can't happen. Yeah, um, and it's yeah, that, you know. That, it, what it reminds me of is it's like when you, you really need to get something out, so you're just waiting for somebody to bring it up, and you're like, oh, by the way, and you just <laughs> unload, like, this happened, exactly. and you just break it. It was like, you know, they're going to work on it. They are, they're obviously going to go to practice and and go over everything, and I, I think that's I, – I talked to I talked to Dante Fabro before the game against San Jose and said, you know, coming coming off of a game like that against – Seattle where you're losing especially losing in that fashion you know what is it like as a player to be coached by John Hines on the ice and off the ice and I I think you kind of get an idea through his answer that he genuinely is he's looking at it as okay here's what happened I'm not mad at this person or angry with this person but these are the breakdowns that led to this problem here's how we fix them then they practice those things. They look at the tape. They go to the ice. They practice 
they change things, they get better. I mean, that's exactly what you want. I mean, shouting at a team, is that going to make them a better team? Probably not. But showing no, them what they need to do differently, that helps. And you, and you and I were talking about this too. F- fans get really unreasonably angry after losses. I mean, I think I think part of it is they they uh, there's there's a sense that like after a single loss. I mean, it also doesn't help that that was a bad loss. Like if that had been oh. you know Colorado or something, maybe it was a little maybe it would be a little bit tempered. But um, there's a sense that like when there's a loss like that that there's some systemic change that needs to happen that there's a there's a there's clearly a flaw there there's a there's a blemish in this team that has resurfaced yeah. that we just need to go ahead and fix and it it's just not like that's not the way that hockey works i mean there's 82 no. games in the season and there are losses like this that happen and there are bad losses i mean every single stanley cup winner in history has had bad losses like this yeah. where yeah. If they overreacted and changed everything up after this, it would have been bad. Now, some some might say, well, it wasn't just one loss. They also lost the stadium series game. They also lost a game earlier that week. They were like four and six in their last 10 games. That's not very good. Four and six in the last 10 games is not good. However, they were like eight and two in their pre in, in 10 games, you know, a couple months ago. And yep. uh, not a lot, you know, nothing's really changed from that. And just the results are a little different. So, uh, I don't think that you need to overreact to that. And then uh, I, I also think there's there's a sense that, like, people want to blame Roman Yossi for something. I don't really understand why, I, like, they what, what they want him to say. But I do like the fact that John Hines, John Hines does do that a lot. I, I really I really appreciated that about him, that he comes out with a almost a prepared statement, almost like a here's where the game was lost. And he has, like, yep. exact specifics about that. And uh, that's always great to see. Peter Laviolette did not do that. Peter Laviolette, after losses, was just we didn't we didn't play to win the game. You know, he was just he was he was spoken kind of platitudes and really like it was all about the the heart side of the game. Like our guys didn't have yeah. it tonight. He didn't really talk about specifics like that, like Heinz does, which I think is great. So, um, yeah, bad loss. But then, so a few days later in San Jose, the Predators go to San Jose. what happened in that game. John. Well, well, you know, I'm going to tell you, it was, uh, it was a barn burner. It was pretty exciting. There was a lot of action. So let's, let's jump right into it. Um, so, well, final score was eight to nothing. And I'm going to start with that because I want to start by talking about all of the highlights for the San Jose Sharks. Okay. Now we can move on because there were no highlights for the San Jose Sharks. <laughs> so on to the Predators, right? Um, so they got they got scoring started uh, with Michael McCarron. Now let me let me say this: um, McCarron, I think, has been doing a pretty solid job in front of the net recently. You started to see him pop up on the score sheet a little bit because he's getting to the front of the net and putting goals in. I'm sure we'll talk about that more in a minute. But then toward the end of the first period, um, Matt Duchesne found the back of the net for the second goal, and the uh, Predators headed to the locker room up two to nothing, which as we learned in recent games, doesn't really mean anything. That was, uh, yeah. it was, you know, it was like, all right, two to nothing's great. Woo. But we've also seen that fall apart very quickly. So it wasn't something, it wasn't like everybody just sat back and said, yep, this is a, this is a W let's just move on and get through the next 40 minutes. But um, they came back out. Second period had two more goals. The third goal uh, was Matt Luff. Now what's interesting is that the goal, scoring got changed like twice during the process of the game. So I, I don't even remember at this point who the first person they said scored the goal was. It may have been Roman Yossi. Um, and uh, then that later the, on, they weird, this was the weird one that shot from the blue line and kind of bounced off a couple guys, right? I think so. Um, yeah. But basically it was a long time, a very long time before the scoring finally settled on, on Matt Luff. It had been attributed to Philip Tomasino for a while. And then really toward the end of the game, they switched it over to Luff. And it was it was kind of this, oh, scoring's changed again. Scoring's changed again. And it, it really, it not that it really matters because eventually they got the right person. But if we look at how the game breaks down, it, it did kind of end up mattering. And it was good that the team knew. And I'll, I'll tell you about that in a minute. Um, let's talk about, see, I lost my place here. Um 
Okay, so Love scores again right before the buzzer of the end of that period, which was his second goal of the night and the fourth goal of the night. But what's funny is at that moment when that goal was scored, that was considered his first goal of the night because it was still being attributed to Philip Tomasino. And I, I guess if I guess if figuring out who actually scored your fourth goal on the way to scoring eight goals is uh, one of the more interesting things to talk about in the game, I guess you're living in a very good time, right? Um, lots of goals can never be bad, can it? No. No, no, more goals. Give me all the goals. All right, so the third period, that's when things really got exciting. Matt Duchesne scored his second, and it was it was just a pure filth goal. And I think um, I think we're going to take a look at that, Alex. Is that we correct? Are. Let's oh, take a look boy. at that. This was, this was Let's cool. Let's see. I'm, I'm ready. We thought Luff might get that one. Yeah. Now wide open is Duchesne. Down the middle. Backhand score! Beautiful goal, Matt Duchesne, his second of the night, and it's a 5 nothing route. This nice little, picks it up with the skate, but watch this fake. Look at that fake, just hook, line, and sinker. Staylock bites and then right under the bar. That's the elevation we're talking about. Make no mistake about it on the... I want to I mention something about that goal, but I'll let you finish the recap first. Oh, okay. Well, I mean... You know, I think the important thing here is that this is the moment where you're like, they should really pull Staylock. But I think we're also aware that there's not a lot going on um, for yeah. San Jose. And you did hear the announcers talking at the beginning of that clip that they still thought that that third goal was going to go to Luff. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, this was the fifth goal. Still hadn't – the 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 third goal still hadn't been attributed to Luff. But anyway, um, so look, after, after this, after the fifth goal um, – Michael McCarron in front of the net comes up with another one, scores the sixth goal of the night. Things are getting a little bit intense on the ice at this point. Yakov Trinan um, picks up an errant clearing attempt from Vlasic, and he's right in front of the net, and he he just drives it right in. Um, and what's interesting is I think if you if you watch the goal, which it's fun to watch goals, so go watch it. Um, it looks like Sissons actually passes him the puck, but um, no, Vlasic was trying to clear the puck, didn't clear it very well. And Trennan scores. There's no assists on this goal. However, I you can't argue that Sissons should have an assist because he wasn't the one that passed in the puck. But the reason Vlasic is uh, under so much pressure and makes that bad pass is because Sissons is literally all over him. And, uh, you know, that's just a good example. I think we talk a lot about Sissons maybe not showing up as much on the score sheet but having a huge mm -hmm. impact on the game. That's one of the ways he does it. Just want to throw that out there. Um, and then... Finally, Mikhail Granlund ends up down on the ice on his knees, takes a takes a check to the face. And that's it was really, you know, I was I was pretty disappointed that that's what happened. It was like that was obviously, you know, they're just at this point San Jose is playing hurt, you know, they don't they don't want to give anything up at this point. They know they look bad, they're embarrassed on home ice in front of their fan and uh, you know, <laughs> singular. Yeah. Um they're embarrassed, and so they've got to they got to put on a show. So they decide to check Granlund in the face while he's down on his knees. End up putting who I don't remember exactly who it was that uh, that did that. Um, but they go on the power play, and immediately Mikhail Granlund cashes in on that uh, power play opportunity, scores the eighth goal of the night. And at that point, it just gets ugly, and it, San Jose just tries to start fights, and they're successful. Mm -hmm. They. They draw Ben Harper into it, who, uh, you know, he's a big boy. He uh, was putting on a show, but I think he ended up going down on the ice. And then, for some reason, they start picking on Luke Cunning as well. Um, biggest disappointment of the night for me is the fact that once Cunning's down in a fight that never should have happened, that got picked with him, he got cross-checked, and then the fight started. Um, and this is with not much time left in the game. He's down on the ice. Hands are down on the ice because he's down. Gets punched in the face again. Comes up not very happy about it, but either way, San Jose looks really bad um, yeah. in this. I can't imagine, you know, it's it's funny because we talk about, oh, you know, there's going to be bad losses and you could look bad and all this, but imagine imagine how those players feel right now. So it's not good. That's an yeah. ugly, ugly loss. For for the Sharks, right. Yeah, they, they, that was, that's, they, and the Sharks are really not very good. 
Um, that should have been how the Seattle game turned out, honestly. Um, yeah. I was going to mention, like, uh, about that Duchesne goal. So, I think it was a bad a bad line change or a bad defensive change by the Sharks. There's a, there's a defense – because, like, you just never see – forwards breaking in that wide open uh when when there's still like the only time you see that the uh forward breaking in that wide open is when there's a line change or something like that i mean it, yeah it, they, they don't tend to lose guys like that and the, the the sharks defense is really really poor alex stalock i think had not started a game for like a long time like a year and um he did not have a good game Duchesne, that shot fake that he has to go and then to move on to his backhand was like just perfect. That was a really, really great move. And then the Forsberg pass to get it to him, like just just the dump. Like, it didn't have to be a perfect tape to tape pass. Just get it to the guy who's going into space. Yeah. Really, really great um, decision there. Uh, yeah, they just destroyed they destroyed San Jose. Eight nothing. Yeah. yeah. Now, and, hey. It was the uh, it was a tie for the largest margin of victory in Predators history. Yep, yep. They they did tie. the same thing did the same thing to Detroit um, back in two thousand nine. Yep, that was a that was a memorable moment. I remember that. Um, I think most people think of that as one of the great Preds results, beating the Red Wings eight nothing because they just won the Stanley Cup. So yeah, <clears throat> um, not the Sharks though. No. Um, okay, so let's talk about. Um, well, let's do, let's let's talk about the the Luff, McCarran, Tomasino line, and then and then we'll get to the Johansson thing. Okay. Um. So the the line that really was dominating last night against the San Jose Sharks was Philip Tomasino, who I think plays on played play right wing. Uh, Luff. And I think it was he center. No, McCarran. McCarran's the center. Yeah. McCarran's so the center. Yeah. McCarran, McCarran is the center of that line. And I don't think he had really. Um, I'm trying to remember. Had he, okay. I guess, I guess he's. He's played a handful of games this year, but not a ton. And hasn't really shined really much until recently. Um, but, anyways, Michael McCarran plays center. And then Matt Luff plays, I guess, plays on the left. Uh, that line in particular had only played, I looked this up, they'd only played 24 minutes going into, 24 minutes together going into last night. And then they, I guess they played like 10 or 12 minutes last night. Um, and uh, they were, they, they erupt for like four goals, right? I mean, they had four goals combined. Um, really impressive uh, game from them. I, you know, other than, other than just like getting some bounces, like what do you think that, did differently because I have I have one theory on, on what I think is really going on there, but I was curious what you thought about um, what you saw from that line in particular. So I, uh, you know, you're asking me what I what I think they did differently. Um, you know, I'm going to be honest with you, and I, I don't have a very good answer, but I want to say this, and, and you brought it up too. Uh, I've said for a while now that it seems like McCarron has changed something he's doing in front of the net, and. I don't know what it is exactly. Um, you know, I don't know if you make a shift from being someone who's just trying to uh, screen the goalie to someone who's trying to screen the goalie with a, with an eye for incoming pucks to deflect or, um, you know, rebounds to pick up and, and throw into the net. But th- something's definitely changed. You probably have a much better technical answer. I, I'm assuming it is um, than I do. But I'll also say I, I think I think Luff is good on that line. I he's one of my preferred people to be on that line. I just think he's got a little bit more um, a little bit more skill to put out there uh, playing with. And I think probably playing with Tomasino lifts him up a little bit as well. But I'm I'm curious to see what you have to say. Well, I I, t- I don't really have a technical answer. I my my only answer is that I think that the difference maker is Tomasino, and that I, and that I I really do think that he's starting to emerge. Um, as a guy, so he's been stuck. He's been stuck on a line with uh, lower skilled players for quite a while now. Uh, and and I, w- I would call Michael McCarron a low skilled, lower skilled player. I don't think there's anyone that would disagree with that. Not not that he's not doesn't do things well, but he's not Ryan Johansson. He's not uh, he's not Philip Forsberg. 
Um, but Tomasino has started to emerge and has started to create some plays that is exactly what we thought he would be able to do when he when he got to the NHL. So yeah. one of the things that he does really well is he's able to create in the corners and to distribute from behind the net and to get his head up and and sort of see the offensive zone a little bit differently in, in, in a similar way that Mikhail Granlin sees it in a similar way that Matthew Shane sees it and, and maybe Ryan Johansson. You start, you're starting to see, I think some of those playmaking abilities emerge from Tomasino's game. And so because he can see that the path that he made to McCarron, who was cutting towards the front of the net, Tomasino made behind the net and saw the path that he was making, made a perfect pass and, and it goes in. I think earlier you might have seen Tomasino try to, to try to stick handle and get out in front of the net himself. Instead, he got his head up and made made passes to where guys were. Um, and then the 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 dirty goal he scored uh, um, against Seattle, just going to the front of the net. I mean, like that's mo- most goals are scored on, on rebounds and and stuff in front of the net. And he that's he knew where to go for that. So I, I really think that the answer is just that Tomasino is starting to come into his own. I think it, it, it comes down to Tomasino being a really exciting young player. He's only 20 years old. Um, he's starting to put up some numbers. He has six points in his last four games. And I think that that's a really good sign. I think that if you stuck him with Michael McCarron, you probably wouldn't get the most out of him. I mean, last night, notwithstanding. But if you were to find him uh, on a roll or uh, on a line with someone like a, uh, a Mikhail Granlund or someone like uh, – Holman or Ryan Johansson, I think you'd see some some really good things happen in the long run. I just so I, I think it comes down to Tomasino finally figuring some things out. Well, I, you know that's that's probably what it is, honestly, more so than anything I was saying. But we we've got to remember, and I, I know you're aware of this, but we've got to remember that Tomasino's coming in without a ton of AHL time. And so a lot of these things that we're seeing, these, these, uh, these, I don't want to call them growing pains, but just those different, the changes, the, the learning um, that happens in the AHL, you usually don't see unless you're watching a highlight, um, you know, real, or if you watch AHL games, um, which, you know, I'm, I'm going to be the first one to admit, I don't watch AHL games. Um, I know a lot of people that do, and I usually go to them when I need to know, if someone in the AHL is doing well or not. Um, yeah. But Philip Tomasino doesn't have that luxury, much like Dante Fabro doesn't have that luxury. We've gotten to see their growing pains, their kind of uh, path to being, you know, a, a complete NHL player happen in, in NHL real time, where you usually uh-huh. see, you don't see that happen. It happens in, in the AHL. So when you see somebody like Tomasino, like you said, starting to figure things out, that's good, you know. People have complained he shouldn't be on the fourth line. We said many times we want to see him with higher skilled players. But when you start to see them doing those higher skilled things with the line mates they have, it gives you a lot of encouragement to know that down the road, they're probably going to be able to do that on the second line or the first line. And that's that's yeah. exactly what we want to see, right? Exactly. Yeah, I, I think so too. Um Okay, so that line, you know, I don't know if we'll see that line uh, uh, again. I, I would assume probably so. I mean, if they if they just scored four goals, uh, I think yeah. we'll probably see them on Tuesday. And I mean, now that the line now the Predators basically have four four consistent lines, um, they they do need to get a little bit more out of one particular player, and we'll talk about that now uh, because I think John Hines had some comments about uh, about about this guy. But before we do that, I do want to talk about. Hello, fresh. So, I the other night I cooked a Hello Fresh meal for my daughter. My wife was uh, was away for the evening, and so I cooked a Hello Fresh meal, Nacho Crunch burgers. They're basically just burgers, but they had it was came with queso and some pico de gallo and uh, some uh, some chips, some like tortilla chips, and uh, some potatoes with some seasoning. Really, really easy meal. I mean, I, I had the whole thing ready and prepared in under 30 minutes. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh, pre-proportioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorsteps. You can skip trips to the grocery store, and you can count on HelloFresh to make home cooking fun and easy and affordable. It's no- America's number one meal kit after all. So if you don't have time to cook, HelloFresh has 
basically all their recipes are 30 minutes or less. Some are even less than that. Quick and easy meals use about 20 minutes, low prep, easy cleanup, even faster route to putting food on the table. And if you're on a budget, HelloFresh is 72% cheaper than a restaurant meal of the same quality. You can save on average around $65 a month when you order HelloFresh instead of grocery shopping. So if you want to try it, here is your best opportunity to do so. Go to HelloFresh.com slash smash 16, as in Smashville, smash 16. Use the code smash 16 for up to 16 free meals, three gifts. You're going to get 16 free meals out of this. You've got to try it. If you've been wanting to try these, like um, this, if you've been wanting to try a meal delivery service like this, you've got to try HelloFresh. Smash 16. Uh, go to it. You will not regret it. They're very tasty. They're very good. They're very, it's, it's very affordable. Uh, we've been doing it for a while now. We love it. So uh, check it out there. All right. Ryan Johansson. Okay. John Hines had some comments. I think this was before the San Jose game. I, it might have been the day before. I, I think it, it was definitely on uh, uh, Robbie Stanley and Joe Rexroad's show. It, it, um, I believe John Hines joined them um, and uh, to talk to as, as he often does. And uh, so I got this from Joe Rexroad's uh, Twitter. Uh, he says, John Hines says of possible line adjustments, line adjustments that the herd line is one you don't usually mess with. He didn't like the result of switching it up versus Seattle. Bottom line, we've got to get more from Johansson himself and figure out the best combo around. So John Hines doesn't usually call guys out like this. I didn't think this was a total call out. No. One. Basically, Brian Johansson has not been producing as much in the last few weeks. Uh, I've got the numbers on that in a second, but uh, did you think that that was uh, like a? Um, did you think he was trying to call out Brian Johansson? Do you think it was just kind of innocent and he just mentioned him, or what? What do you think about that? You know, I, it's a great question because if if I think back to, uh, I guess the return to play. Uh, period after the initial shutdown back in, in 2020. Um, <clears throat> I recall Hines kind of directly calling Johansson out, not necessarily saying, hey, Ryan, we need this, but kind of making a comment along the lines of when Ryan is a willful skater, he's very good, um, which kind of lets you, you know, figure out for yourself what he's trying to say there is that, well, he hasn't been a willful skater. And what does that mean? So I, I don't think I don't think Hines necessarily is calling him out per se to make a point, but I think um, anything he would be saying on the radio, he's probably definitely already said to that person directly. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think if you want a little bit of you know history on this, after he said that you know when Ryan was a willing or willful skater that he was very good that line of uh, Johansson, Forsberg, and Arvidsson went out and they were pretty much the only thing the Predators had in that playoff series. Um, so he knows that doing that gets results. So I, I think, you know, with that particular player doing that, he knows can work. And so I think he's willing to do it, especially if he's already had that conversation, because then Johansson's aware that other people have heard this and they're going to be watching him. And maybe that's what he knows works for Johansson. Yeah. The, the moves that he made for the San Jose game, obviously, whatever John Hines did ahead of the San Jose game seems to have worked. But um, he moved Johansson back with Forsberg and Duchesne. I mean, the, the Forsberg, Granlin, Duchesne line has been, you know, the most productive line of the, of the entire season in terms of just putting points on the board. Um, and so Granlin gets moved with Cholden and, and Cunnan. I'm not sure that I really like that going i probably would go back to forsberg grandland duchene what i think that they should probably do is make you know keep this luff tomasino mccarran line going as long as it's working like don't don't break it until it doesn't work anymore i'm sorry don't right don't try to fix it until it doesn't work anymore whatever there you go uh, and then when it doesn't work anymore because i don't think i don't think most people think that line's going to be you know a dominant line moving forward then you move Tomasino back with the Johansson and uh, I don't know, Cunning on the other side. Uh, and then move Granlin back with Forsberg Duchesne. Tolvanen is the odd man out for me right now. I'm just not seeing much from Tolvanen on the ice that, that tells me that he's a difference maker on this team. 
maybe he'll prove me wrong, but Tolvanen seems extremely uh, – we can talk about Tolvanen later, but I, I, I think I think Tolvanen has taken a step back this year. Um, I just don't see – I don't see the same offensive threat from him. Um, and on, at, at any strength, even strength, power play, anything. Um, but we're talking about Johansson now, so we'll, we'll focus on that. Johansson has five points in his last nine games, and th- those last – those last nine games were there's quite a few losses in there for the Predators. He's five assists, no goals. That kind of production is, yeah, that's not, that's not $8 million a year production. I mean, you need closer to a point per game for that. And, you know, it's, you could, you could call him out for that. It seems, seems a little, a little extreme. He had not scored at all. If he's not at any points in that game, I think it would be a little bit more warranted, but I, I don't know that there's anyone on the team that um, would, I think Johansson's the kind of guy that no matter what he's doing when he's out there, he is making some sort of difference just because of the the way he plays the game. But um, I, I don't know. How would you, would you change the, would you keep the lines the same they were from San Jose? The forward line? No, I, I don't love that change that was made. I I really do like the fourth line. Don't get me wrong. And I'd like to see Tomasino playing higher. Like you said, but as long as that fourth, like you said, don't don't try to fix it until it's broken. And it was cooking last night. So I, I think the biggest thing for me, um, keep that together. Let Tomasino keep making magic happen with that line. And when the magic dries up, um, it's time to move him up and put him with some, again, more skilled line mates. Um, <clears throat> I think he would be good with Johansson. I do. I don't want to mess up the Forsberg, Duchesne, Granlin line. Um, that line gets the job done. They've been getting it done all year. They got it done when they were together before. So um, I think that that needs to stay no matter what. Um, I'd like to see more out of Luke Cunning too. So I don't know, you know, he can play a hard physical game. So if you're looking for someone that can go down and play on the fourth line and bring that element to it, he could do that as well. If you're looking to give someone else a chance up higher. Um, and, and unfortunately, I don't know if I, I think, I don't know if I think that Tolman's taken a step backwards overall, maybe offensively, but I feel like he's having a better year defensively. So he is also someone sure. who could come down and play the style of game that needs to be played on the fourth line um, and, and get things done there. So it's not yeah, so think- much about people need to contribute in whatever way they can contribute. So if you can go down and play hard on the fourth line, play hard on the fourth line. Yeah, the, 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 the Tolman thing – uh, just briefly, I, I, sure he's been better defensively. That is not what Tolvanen is supposed to bring. Like no, he, he no. is was drafted as he was like people were saying that he had the sneaky best shot in the entire draft. Like yeah. th- that that he was uh, going to be an offensive threat. People were talking about Patrick Line in comparison with him. Like, and that is just not what we've seen this year. Like not even close. He's had a couple moments, but I'm I'm also seeing like his. It just seems like his confidence quite isn't quite there. He can't create anything on his own. If he gets a shot from the slot, he's gonna have a pretty good, pretty good shot on the net. But like he just he can't create anything on his own. You really what you really want is you want something like a Tomasino Johansson Tolvanen combination, where yeah. you've got two great playmakers who can who can battle it out, and then you've got a pure shooter on the other side that can that can finish it off. Like that's what yeah. you want. Um, and if if Cunning becomes that guy, that's fine too. But um, you need a combination of playmakers along with guys who are shoot first. So, uh, so, so I, I just haven't really seen that from Tolton this year. Cut, cut in maybe a little bit more. He's, he's he, I'm surprised he has 13 goals. I didn't think he had that many. He's, he's got 13 goals this year. Really? Shooting 14%. I mean, like, that's pretty good. I mean, mm. he's, he'll probably finish with close to 20. That's not bad. I take I take back what I said. No, I, I, I think it's it, it's easy that to remember. I don't know. I don't I, I don't remember the. I don't remember a lot of those goals. I mean, maybe he scored a lot of goals in, in like garbage time or goals that didn't really matter. He's probably scored at least a few goals that mattered. I'm just saying. I don't think you're wrong. Your instinct is wrong. Cunning surprised me that he's had that many uh, that many goals this year. Uh, just by comparison, he has 13. So does Jakob Trenin. Jakob Trenin has 13. I'm sorry, that's wrong. Jakob Trenin has 13. Cunning has 11. I looked at the sheet wrong. But anyways. All that's all. Besides, we'll move on. Okay. Predators have a massive week coming up. 
four games this upcoming week after just two this last week. The uh, They have Tuesday against Dallas, who mm-hmm. is right behind them in the standings. That is a mess. Mm. That's you know, the biggest game of the year right now. Yeah. Thursday against Anaheim, who's pushing Saturday against St. Louis, ahead of Nashville in the playoffs, and then Sunday at Minnesota, who's like in second place in the Central. Uh, just a huge week, three Central Division games, and then also a, uh, a, a you know full time rival in Anaheim. Four games this week. I think that this particular week could decide the fate of what they do with Philip Forsberg because there is no deal. Right now, it doesn't sound like we're getting all that close to one. Uh, if there's no deal, I think it's very possible that Hoyle trades him because he, he can get something out of him, a lot out of him, not just something. Um, I don't know that that'll happen, but I, I do think that if they go in and, and beat all these teams, even just beat three of the four, they hold on to Forsberg because they want him for the playoff run. And I think that this – this kind of week could could set that up. Now, there's a lot more games. There's like 27 games left in the season. These four aren't going to decide it, but you have to make a, a kind of you have to make that call before the trade deadline, which is Monday, March 22nd. You have to make mm. that call. Like, are you a buyer or a seller? Or are you are you going to keep with what you have? So, I think this week could decide that. It's creeping up, that's for sure, and I, definitely definitely the week that's going to make that decision like just bring it to the forefront but i, I i'm really i've really thought about this recently <clears throat> and I, I don't know maybe this is maybe this is something else I'll hear me out on this okay just hear me out are you right. ready buckle yeah. up so okay. let's talk about rocco grimaldi and you're probably like why are we talking about rocco grimaldi rocco okay. grimaldi is playing in milwaukee which is a city that is not nashville correct that's correct okay. Now, Rocco Grimaldi's wife is an aspiring country music artist, and, and she is in Nashville trying to make it here. Um, they don't see each other a whole heck of a lot. And I look at the reality that Philip Forsberg has a fiance who is kind of in that same boat of being an, an artist in Nashville, trying to make it big. Um and Forsberg, of course, um, is a hockey player in Nashville right now. If he ends up going somewhere else, which could be as, as soon as three weeks from now, um, they're not going to see a lot of each other. And I think what makes that really hard is that they're they're engaged, they're getting ready to get married, and going into a marriage knowing that you're not going to see each other as much as you would want to see each other, it's got to weigh pretty heavily on you. Um, I know that I'm married, Alex, I know you're married. If you were going to get married and know that, you know, Hey, we're getting ready to be, uh, thousands of miles apart for a, a lot of our working year. I don't know. I feel like there's regardless of, regardless of playoff position or regardless of what that looks like, I feel like there's a really heavy emphasis for Forsberg to want to stay close to Nashville. Um, because when you get into, go ahead. If that were the case, why why would he not have signed already? If that was the pri- the primary deciding factor, he would have already signed on the con. He would have already signed the contract. We know we know David Poyle is offering him something. I would well, assume yeah, he's but, not calling him. But I would say this too. So you know, all take all those things we just said, right, and put it all together, and then think about what would in 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 Sean's opinion. Yeah, the deciding factor is being away from his and new family. wife. Okay. Yeah. Being a, and, and being away from family. <sighs> I feel like there's probably something with a no movement clause or a no trade clause. That's got him kind of hung up because we know that Poyle probably doesn't want to give those out too much. And I want to say that what happened with Ryan Ellis is probably weighing very heavily in Forsberg's mind. You saw Ellis, sign a contract, do the no movement clause, the no trade or the no movement clause, not get the clause he wanted and then end up getting traded to a team that as far as I could tell, he wasn't really planning on playing for um, because he didn't seem excited about it at all. The details of the contract are obviously not known. We don't, or details of the potential contract. We don't, we don't know what those are. I, I just, I don't think, that at this point there's something that David Poyle hasn't tried. Like I, I know that he wants to sign the guy. 
I would be shocked if he was offering him less than nine million a year. Some people, a lot of people think he is. A lot of people think he's going like the eight million route, or or even less. People are thinking maybe he's offering like seven, seven and a half. Like that's insane to me. I think he's worth yeah. far more than that. And I'm on record as saying I think that on an open market with with bidding teams, 10, 12, 15 bidding teams wanting to get a premier yeah. goal scorer who's 27 years old, that he could get 10 million. And I don't think I'm crazy yeah. for that because plenty of other guys have 10 million, plenty of other guys have nine and a half or 9.7 million who aren't as good as Forsberg. So like right now, I think it probably, like you said, comes down to is he, is he getting that no move clause? Is he getting the eighth year? Because he can get the eighth year. He's, he's eligible for the eighth year as opposed to the, just the seven. He can yeah. get the eighth year. Is Poyle not offering in the eighth year? Is he only going like five years or something or six? And he's not. He's refusing to do that? Or is there an issue with the, the no-move clause? And then people are talking about you know taxes in, in Nashville versus compared to New York, which I think is an overrated thing that people talk about because these guys have to pay taxes in every state and province yeah. that they play in. So it doesn't make a huge difference. It does make a difference. I'm not saying that. But I don't think it makes a huge difference. And I think it's more about uh, the things that you mentioned are not like th- that's on point. I, I think that that's that's relevant. But I just feel like if that was the deciding factor, he would have signed already. Well, I mean, it's the deciding factor, I think, in in staying. But again, it's it's you can sign a contract and get an, and not get any kind of protection clause and yeah. get traded away next year and not have a word yeah. to say about it. Yeah, and so yeah, it's like, great, sure. we, we can sign this contract and it'll be a great contract and I'll be in Nashville and then it'll make the run to the playoffs and whatever happens, happens, and then get traded away. Yeah. So you I just want a little bit of security. That, that, this, this week could decide it. Maybe the Predators beat all four of these teams and they do it in similar fashion as they beat the San Jose Sharks last night and uh, then <laughs> – David Poyle is like, you know what, Philip, you can have whatever you want, and yep. here you go. And then they sign him, and then that's it. Or they lose to all these teams, or maybe only beat one of them, and and uh, David Poyle pulls the trigger on a massive trade, and then he's playing in New York now. Philip Forsberg, wow. New York. Yikes. So I don't know. We'll see. Uh, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. Um, I did have one more thing I wanted to show. I don't spend too much time talking about this, but I, I pulled the video, so I want to show it. Cool. Uh, okay. This is something that happened in the San Jose game. At the San Jose game. I just thought this was crazy. And uh, it's, it's a little bit long. Maybe I'll cut it short. But uh, here you go. This happened in San Jose. Take a look. Okay, that, that's pretty much the end of it. it there, there was, uh, there's some shouting at the end. Uh, apparently, there was an entire row of Preds fans that got really, really drunk and uh, were Ooh. shouting and causing a scene at the San Jose Sharks game. So you mentioned that the Sharks were uh, mucking it up in the game. Uh, apparently, the Preds fans who were in San Jose were doing the same. So, Oh, boy. Uh, one of the that's reasons good. I want to show that is it's a, it's a bookend to – about eight years ago, I, I was trying to remember the exact – I think it might have been 2014 or 2015. There was a San Jose game in Nashville in which an entire section of uh, of San Jose fans 
just created this huge ruckus. It was like a big deal. There were a bunch of videos of it. I think it was 2015 or 2016, actually. It might have been after. It was definitely when Lobby Lett was here. And uh, so anyways, I just thought it was a good bookend because now, now, they, now the opposite thing happened uh, in San Jose where uh, an entire group of Preds fans took on an entire section. Um, and uh, there's some good, there's some good moments in that. There's a, there's a Preds fan who like this definitely gets the, the brunt of it, but then there's some other ones that get some good shots. in. I love a good fan fight vid. I I'm a, I'm a big fan of the public freakout Reddit, <laughs> Reddit. I go there pretty much every day. I mean, like, I just, oh, okay. do what? I just said, okay, that makes sense. I'm just trying to figure out like, where does one go for such like, oh yeah, such Reddit information i'm a glutton for that stuff i don't know why i don't know why. it's just like there's something about it it's just really fun you learn a lot about human behavior watching that kind of stuff like yeah how like yeah. how fights how fights get going um how they how they conclude uh, the, the really interesting stuff about the way that those uh those fights take up but sports sports fights are almost all the same they're yeah they're brief and they're usually not that not land um, there's usually people falling over chairs, which is great. But anyways, but that was interesting. Well, I, did, let me ask you a question. And this is the, did you write an article about that? The previous fight you were talking about? About that the fight from San Jose? I didn't. Someone did. On, Somebody on did. Check, though. Okay. I think yeah. it might have been Dan. I think Dan wrote about oh, it. I can't remember. I knew it was, I, I knew, I know I've read it. So I, okay. just couldn't, I knew it was from when you were there. But I, I don't think I did. I'm pretty sure it was Dan. But. Okay. Shout out. It doesn't look like Dan, but yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, that wraps it up for today, episode 19. Big next week. You can check out all of our hockey coverage at azsports.com. Also, take a look at onthefourcheck.com as well. Read Sean and everyone there. Follow me on Twitter at alexdarty1. Follow Sean at Twitter. On Twitter. S-E-S-O-T-F and we'll see you next week. Goodbye, everybody.